Friends, we're here in the deconstruction zone. We're talking a little bit about uh, life, faith, and deconstruction at the Missouri Annual Conference. Right. So we just wrapped up a two-parter with some interviewers. Mm -hmm. uh, but now you and I are just going to talk, go kind of back to normal. Still same set, but back to the normal format. Yes. I introduced this a little bit when we like had guests, but this has definitely been a weird place to be because I've never seen so many women with like important badges. Girls rule, women are funny, get over it. Yeah. Um, but it's been really cool. Like I remember, again, I kind of already shared this, but when I was in a similar space for the Presbyterian church, there was like a very distinct moment where like the men and women would split and then like the, the men who were elders would make the decisions and the women mm. like, there was like a different women's schedule. Yeah. And that always made me really frustrated. And so like, that's been really encouraging. But what I wanted to talk to you today was about the idea of like women and gender roles. Sure. So we're going to jump right into uh, our email corner. And basically yeah. someone asked us, I'm just going to paraphrase. Someone asked us like, what is your take on women and gender roles? So. Yeah. <laughs> like in relationships to the church or all I think of it? I want to talk about both. Okay. Because actually... Um, us and our significant others had a little fun double date. We did. And we did talk about gender roles. Yeah. And we're very pro. Yeah, very pro. <laughs> the more the more segmented, the better, I right. say. Um, <laughs> so did you ever grow up like hearing about traditional gender roles or being like, you're the leader of the household? Yeah, so I grew up a little more like evangelical in yeah. my family's upbringing. Uh, we were, my first church experience was uh, Lutheran and we were LCMS, which is like the more conservative Lutheran denomination like yeah. what I grew up in. So I had like kind of those similar gender roles. Like we didn't have women pastors mm -hmm. in, in my denomination. My mom didn't work. She was a stay-at-home mom. Okay. Most of the time my dad was the provider working like 80 hours. And so like I Gosh. saw my dad very little. Yeah. Um, really early on, my mom was more around more. So she was more the provider. My dad was more like the caregiver rather. My dad was more the provider. Um, and that was like more the norm. Um, so like upbringing wise, like I saw the expression of gender roles, like the more traditional ones manifested mm. in my life. Um, but like in my marriage, like I remember like talking to my wife about this, Annie, and like gender roles a little bit. And, like we're like we both would subscribe to like their whether it's God's design or just the way God has designed the two of us, we occupy maybe more traditional roles. Oh yeah, okay. Um, but we don't need that to be true for us to work together absolutely but like my wife is like and my wife works full-time and yes. my, like i care for our kids as much as she does right but like there is some level of like um maybe there's natural design to the way we want things and do things mm. but like in my house like i cook as much as she does like yeah i do as much laundry i do as much clean she works as much and brings in as much we both contribute to the spiritual like development of our house and our kids and so in like a in a lived experience way, it feels very. We talked about this uh, like very egalitarian, okay. um, and we, I think both my wife and I would say like in our experience, like we find a lot of negativity and complementarianism. Yeah. Um, and you even said this here, like I was talking about like in your old Presbyterian experience, like the men and the elders went away. Like in a church sense, like we have elders that are men and women, yeah, um, young and old, right? Like um, we're trying to have more. LGBTQ people that are elders, like our denominations fighting over it, whether that's mm -hmm. allowed or not. 
Um, but from a church space and like a polity space, like I too, I'm like, I think what a man and a woman can do is equal in the sense Absolutely. of the church. So. But I like what you said about how like your marriage particularly maybe tends to lean that way, even if that's not necessarily like God's design, but just the way that you two work. Like I remember Annie said that she, Annie loves being quoted on the pod. Yeah. I remember that Annie said like, she, I think she doesn't like to like take charge in like a trip situation. Is that mm -hmm. right? Like yeah. she likes to throw out ideas, but she doesn't want to like make all the details. Yeah. And so maybe that's something someone would like call like you being like the leader. Yeah, my, Annie would like me to make the decision, but she would like to like throw out the ideas. Right. Yeah. And, but us, I think that's more like, that's a product of our personalities, not our gender. Right. And that's not so, but I think, I think that leads into really well, because I don't think that's everyone's personality. Yeah. And for example, there are some ways in that I just like don't want to lead, but there are some ways that I'm like, I want to, I want to do what I want and I want to be a little bit in charge. Yeah. And I remember I shared that with pastors growing up and we would always point back to Genesis three as the, this is like women wanting to have leadership roles as the result of sin. So we yeah. would say, um, when, when Adam, when Eve eats from the tree and then God is like punishing everyone, he says to Eve, he said, um, your desire will be for your husband and he shall rule over you. Yeah. And what we said that to mean is that like her desire would be to overtake her husband, but yet like he will be in charge. Yeah. And so any women's desire to be like equal or to lead is, is a result of the fall. Yeah. Which is just like that. And I've never even thought about maybe it's not, maybe it's not that broad, like, people can just have different personalities and different compatibilities and find what works for them. Yeah, I think that I think that, that the creation story is an interesting one. Like if you're gonna read it literally, yeah. there's a lot of things problematic within it. Like as far as roles, I think, mm. like that I wouldn't subscribe to. But I thought about this like you know, on our date, like whether, um, I think regardless of who you're with long-term, yeah. like you are someone that- Are when, you saying me specifically? Yeah, like, yeah okay. You, like I can, I thought about this in our, like double day. I was like, you're someone that just knows so much about life and faith and what you mm -hmm. believe in scripture. It's like, I would have a hard time seeing you not being like a spiritual head of a household, right? Right. Like, and there'd be people that would be very upset about that. And I think like, but it's based on your your characteristics and your passions and your your skills and your, your like knowledge. Mm -hmm. Like you have all those skills. So it'd be silly to be like, well, why wouldn't you do that? Right. Mm. And so, but there'd be people like, well, just because you have a vagina, you don't get to do that. Right. right? And I think that's, a really interesting take and i think it limits like god like to be like and i get it like you go into the story you quote that's that scripture like whatever yeah. it's like there if you want to be a biblical literist there might be a case for it but mm -hmm. when you look in like the lived experience and even we talked about this with stephen like throwing the baby out with the bath water yeah like, there's certain things that just have to be thrown out that i think are we've made more important or we've made yes. to be elevated that i think the scripture never even really was like that was the most important thing mm. um so i don't know like i think gender roles are interesting um and i think there's part of me that wants to embrace more traditional things but it's not because i want to it's like just what i was conditioned with and like okay. i think about like knox and joe and grace in 25 years like what are we going to be talking about about gender roles like mm. will they be having the same tensions joys concerns as we're having probably not like there'll be different probably levels not. of that conversation but i also think there will be fundamentalist spaces that are like i mean think about the very very like ultra traditionalist spaces that there's like documentaries about right that yeah. it's like the guys have multiple wives or like whatever like just clearly like i feel like i just feel like traditionally that's going to continue and people are going to cite the bible for that yeah i think what's interesting is like 
I think there's a huge biblical case for traditional gender roles. Like, like you do. Mar- Mark Driscoll is the dude that I'm like, he quotes script. Like, he if does. you're saying like quoting scripture, like he, for sure. this guy, like that's his drum that he beats more than Jesus is gender roles. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to find it, you'll find it. But what I think is like, I listen to this and it makes me want to barf. I'm like, there's no way that that's what Jesus would have wanted for us is to be this like men lord over and dominate their wives. Yeah. Like it just, the the real life implications of it seem so unchristlike to me that it's wild. Well, in like in Jesus's ministry, women were the financial providers, like in a sense that it was pretty not typical mm-hmm. of like, I was gonna, anyway, just that like, I think Jesus pushed against that and the woman or the person that testified and witness Jesus's resurrection was a woman, Yeah, which a lot of people would say like, well, that's proof that it's true because no one would ever make that up. Like you would pick a guy because women's word didn't hold up in court. But I think maybe it's bigger. Like, I think there was probably part of it that Jesus was like, I'm going to reveal myself to a woman in a sense that like I'm pushing against what like all these people say. Well, it's interesting is like, there'd be conservative people that would be like, well, obviously like look what Jesus did with like the tax collectors, right? He's taking these people that were lowly and he's elevating them. But like the second it's a woman, they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa man, pump the brakes. Right. Like I'm gonna do a new <laughs> thing there. And it's like, yeah, I think it's right. It's like the first preacher evangelist mm. is a woman, right? Like these people like supporting the movement are, are women in different ways. Um, even in the New Testament, like preaching and delivering letters, oftentimes like helping construct them are, are women, right? Yeah. But we minimize those things and this comes back to a lot of things we've talked about. It's because who are the people in power? They look like me. And mm-hmm. to talk about equality and elevating, bring other people's seat to the table potentially loses yours. And I was just talking with someone about this, about LGBTQ issues, about yeah. the centering of LGBTQ plus people. Like, I think that's an important thing. But the reason it causes tension for everyone, me maybe included, is like to elevate <laughs> that voice means I might have to lose my seat at the table. Do you really feel that way? Part of me feels like it's people genuinely trying to be biblical literalists. Or do you think that part of it really is defending your own amount of power? Yeah, I think it's 100. I think it's way okay. less. I think it's the other way around. I think most people that take the Bible literally to say they do don't actually. They take the things that elevate their seat literally. And I think that their biggest concern is their loss of seat. And I've said this before, like in terms of like deconstruction or anything that gets a lot of pushback. Mm. I think it's people watching the thing that they love crumble around them yeah. and the, the potential of it falling or them losing their seat. They get nervous about it. Mm-hmm. And I think gender, LGBTQ stuff, sexual, all that, there's some, I think that's a, what I'm saying is an oversimplification, but I think it's a part of it of like their yeah. loss of power predicates a level of pushback. Even if they wouldn't name it to be that, I would, no i think that's interesting and that's not something that like i see but i'm also not really in like your kind of space that has a ton of power and a ton of say yeah but like i always i always said and i think i've said this in a previous episode like i just think that people like particularly like straight white men who have traditional views of maybe gender or whatever it doesn't cost them anything to think like it doesn't cost them to be like you know i just like take the bible literally whereas reality like it costs women and gay people like everything. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Like I think about this a lot, like you preach at the well, yeah. like my rabbi friend preached, Eric Feltis, like a, a friend of ours who's a, a gay man living in LA, like came out uh-huh. and, and preached. And I 
I wrestle a lot with like, I think my call is to give things away in some mm. ways because I think it makes our tapestry of faith more like vibrant as other yeah. voices speak into it. But I would be lying if I said it wasn't uncomfortable. Okay. And like, I want to be the one in charge. I often want the, the accolades and the, the, I want to be the one that's like leading. And mm. like all those are things that I push back against, none of which I think are biblical reasons to not give my seat away. Yeah. But I can make a biblical case for why I wouldn't. And that's why I'm saying like, I feel that center tension in me. Ooh, okay. And so, but I'm trying to be self-aware enough about it. Absolutely. Um, but I don't always do well because I want to be the one there. Um, and you could move to a less inclusive space and have all the power and say and yeah. not have to give it away. Or I could make the well a less inclusive True. space, right? Like, and I think that would be doing a disservice. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I think you'd lose a lot of people yeah but i think we gain a lot of people right so like if you want to go like a business like yeah so it's not about growing the church like what do they think what do i think jesus is doing here mm. and i think jesus is doing something that is going to be uncomfortable for me which is part of the growth for me yeah but it's also creating spaces for people like you or eric or or rabbi josh or just people in the congregation that haven't even found their voice yet to be like i have a seat at the table and maybe my voice matters and how is the story different than what i've been told mm. i dig that yeah. But I think, I think like, let's go a little bit bigger than church and a little bit bigger than relationships. Um, just the idea of like being in the image of God as male and female. So, you know, Genesis two says like in the image of let us create man in our own image in the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. And I always really struggled. And I briefly like touched on this earlier is that I always really struggled with the idea that if God is, like male and a man and a woman resent, present, represent, there we go, Christ in the church, then I am less in the image of Christ or less yeah, in the image of before. God. And I remember something that really helped me when I was wrestling with that is that uh, a theologian pointed out that the word that says, when God says like, I will make a helper suitable for him, talking about God creating woman. And again, like, I'm, I'm guess I'm kind of talking about this story pretty literally. I don't really think it's literal, but I'm just, I'm just going with this story for a second. Yeah. Um, like, I think it's interesting because God says, or God says, I will make a helper suitable for him. And every other time that word helper is in the old Testament, it's used to talk about God. Yeah. Ezer is the Hebrew word. Look at you. Nice. You are officially a baller. Um, and I just think that that's really beautiful because it made me see, even when I was a complementarian, it helped me see that maybe I am somewhat in the image of God because like the helper, not that I'm subscribing women to always be helpers, but I'm saying like what was typically talked about as women is also talked about about God. And that was a game changer for me. Yeah. And so the Hebrew word Ezra and like the idea of it too, it's like, it's way less gender based. It's like mm. a it's a it's a part to a whole or a completion to something mm. and i'm going to say this but it's not meaning complimentary but it's a compliment to the whole like it's supposed to like yeah. or a completion to the whole mm -hmm. and there was nothing gendered hyper gendered about it in the original language but we have made it that way but like in the in the language it could have been anyone could have been an yeah. Ezra, right and this idea like you are helping you are a compliment you are a companion um and an advocate also similar with we would use to describe the holy spirit like mm. in different words in the greek but like that's a similar idea and so when i think about it from that regard like i am as much an ezra to you as you are to me absolutely and it's like that's 
what is the spirit of what that's saying? It's like to help complete, to be a companion, to be a helper. And there's nothing gendered about that, but it's like, we should be that to the other person. And it's not so specific of like helping, I guess, and how we think about helping. Like, and I think a lot of fundamentalist Christian women feel like they need to be Enneagram twos because that's the helper. And they feel like they're fitting. There's like a huge, it's a huge trend in the church that women are misdiagnosed as twos. twos. Because they think that that's what they should be, or that's what makes them a biblical woman. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I also think that being a good helper uh-huh. is not going to get mimosas while the men make all the decisions, <laughs> right? Like, there's a, it's collaborative. It's not yeah. exit. There's not leaving so that the mm, people can do the work. Mm. It's like there's investment and collaboration in that. And the way, like, you described, I can't remember when, it might have been even off camera. Right. But, like, you talked about the, like, well, the women went to go do this while the men voted. At your yeah, they went to the mall or they went to brunch. That would have been considered supporting because they're letting the men do the work that's needed. Yeah, but that's, well, what is But that's supportive? not supporting. That's, like, that's witnessing or watching, yeah. but it's not supporting. And I think it's a much more pronounced and profound level of companionship and support in that. And is it even witnessing? It feels like it's almost just staying out of the way. Yeah. Yeah, which some people would think is helping. <laughs> um, and I think I think every once in a while that it like I think yeah. sometimes it's just easier to be like, all right, I'm just gonna give you a second. But I don't think in a church um, space, I don't think that's the vibe. Yeah. Well, I think what's interesting is, and I want you to stick around for it, annual conference a little bit, like no, just I chat it. with people, and maybe we'll get some like extra content for social and stuff. Yeah. But I think like I think I'd be interested for you just to get a vibe of what people are doing here in the theological framework, even in stuff like this, because just as you were like, oh, these people are more X, Y, or Z than I thought, or I had more, like, I think we can create a caricature of religious people and denominationals. And I think it's interesting to think, this is not what I thought it was, but you never know that till you experience it. And I think that does connect to gender roles too, as we connect Uh to like, we don't see what we don't want to see or we don't put ourselves in front of to have the opportunity to see. Well, and I think, and I want to say, I think that both ways, like I think maybe the more fundamentalist people that watch our podcast would maybe see our, not that Steve was like super fundamentalist. No, he's not. But, but he more, was a little more traditional yeah. or like than maybe you or I. And yeah. I think that that was also helpful maybe for someone to see who maybe caricatures the UMC church is this like, just super liberal, just vibing. Yeah, and Stephen and I talk about this too. Like Stephen's more conservative. Like he's not a, a bigoted asshole. No, right? and that's and, not what I'm trying to and say. And I'm not saying, yeah. but I'm saying there are people that would say you fall in this bracket, so now you equal this. And that's yeah. why I wanted Stephen to come on because I'm like, I love this that. guy deeply loves people. We disagree on some fundamental issues, yeah. but he still loves people. And I think there's an interesting part of the conversation that has to happen there too. Mm-hmm. No, I I fully agree. But like I said, like it's already just been really encouraging gender roles wise to just like see i mean like you said you have a yellow name tag like a woman is standing across the table from us with a yellow name tag yeah and i just think that's so wonderful and with not, a rainbow flag in it with the like that is just wild yeah not something i would have seen a few years ago yeah um, but, but now you're here and you're a part of it yeah let's get you a name tag you would get a blue one because you're a guest yeah, but i can vote yeah i actually was nervous if you could be here oh guest can't vote Oh, oh I have to be a special layperson. You would be a, a unofficial guest. A lay, if you were on behalf of the well, you could vote. You get a red name tag. But oh. we, because we're not a charter church, can't send any red name tags. Mm. So we have people here with the well, but they're guests until okay. they become okay. members. I'll take. I'll be a guest. Yeah. I probably. I wouldn't have even gotten a I name tag at the other you, place. Actually. Aww. Um, because um, I wasn't sure they let you in. 
<laughs> yeah, um, our friend Randy was like, what are you doing here? <laughs> yeah. um, I don't know how we're doing on time. I think we should probably wind down. Right now. Around, okay, but... do you want to go with recommendations or do you have anything else to say about this? I, I actually want to say one more thing. Yeah, please. Um, you said something that you were thinking about me specifically and that because I have a lot of like knowledge and even like passion that you would see me probably in my own household and family one day being a more spiritual leader. And I think that that's very true, but I also want to make a caveat to that, which is to say, I don't think that more knowledge always equates leadership. Yeah, yeah I agree with that. And so I think like, and so I think even though if like I would find a partner that would be less biblically knowledgeable, like I would say he would still lead me in a lot of yeah. ways. And yeah, and I also think leadership's an interesting conversation because leading doesn't mean dragging you along with me. It's mm. collaborative, just like the Ezra conversation. Like there's as much leadership in being a helper as or a companion or whatever and i think like leadership doesn't mean being like dragging people or like think about the best team captain of any sport you play yeah. on or president of a club it's like dictator leadership is never good leadership no so when i say that yeah i think it's like it's way more nuanced and like just because you have the knowledge right but and i like, know you didn't mean that i just yeah. want to make the no, caveat I it's, yeah i think it's important to say because i even think like i'm I think one of the things I like about our podcast is I'm always deconstructing. We're both verbal processors. Yes. But like, as I say things like, do I really believe that? Yeah. Or like, is that a trained response? And I appreciate that cycling through things and even talking about gender roles, which I didn't know we were going to talk about until we sat down. Yeah. It's like, I'm going through in real time, which mm -hmm. maybe listeners and viewers are too. Like, what do I think about this? Why do I think this? What's helpful? Right. And what do I need to strip away? Absolutely. And we're not removed from that part of the process i think we're doing it here <laughs> for sure right. and that that process like even if you are in a quote like spiritual leadership space i don't know why that needed to be a yeah. quote spiritual leader <laughs> yeah. um that you're still like processing and rethinking it yeah. which i think is cool and i remember i had a friend who was dating someone i feel like i might have told this story but maybe not and she was dating someone and she was like i just don't he has some doubts and i'm just not sure if he's a spiritual leader and I, and she was like but he asks me really thoughtful questions that challenge my faith and like not in a way that like takes me away from God, but just like helps me think more deeply and more robustly. And I was like, to me, that sounds a whole lot like a spiritual leader, if that's yeah. what you're looking for in a husband. Yeah, I think we talked about that on our double date, not on the pod. That's probably true. But yeah. I just I think that that's so important. And I love that is that leadership, whatever that means, can look a lot different to a lot of different people. And yeah. it goes back to I really just want to stick to like to answer this lady's question full circle, which she was talking particularly about relationships is I really like what you said is that even though maybe you and Annie still egalitarian, still you like value her voice, yeah. but like, even if it looks more traditional, like that was based on y'all's compatibility and y'all's personality and not based on what the Bible was like, you weren't like fitting a round hole in a square peg that didn't fit. Yeah, and we had a conversation. We weren't like, hey, who's going to lead this sucker? But we were like, what does it mean for us to be the best versions of us yeah. individually, but collectively? And there has to be trial and error, but real conversation. Like, sure. Where do we fit within this whole puzzle of the marriage we're trying to build together? And there, we've watched shifts and all of that, too. But mm -hmm. um, And there, I'll be honest with you, there are certain areas, even as a pastor, I want my wife to spiritually lead me because I mm. feel like I'm pouring out into other people. And so wow, like, yeah. I need to be led in certain ways. And like, that's been the most life-giving thing for me is being like, here's where I would like you to like help invest in me. And I want to get, I want to do that for you in certain ways. Yeah. But I think like, that's a reality. It was like, 
everyone needs someone leading them in certain mm. things. And there are certain things we're maybe gifted to lead in. But I think we yeah. can't be the leaders of everything. We shouldn't be the followers of everything. There should be like mm. some give and take in that. I know we're wrapping up, but do you have any sort of example or like what does it look like for when you feel maybe depleted that Annie kind of steps in and spiritually leads you in a way that you need? Yeah, Annie's a really good, uh, she's way more empathetic than I am, but everyone who knows me knows that about most people. <laughs> but, um, but she's a great question asker. Um, mm. And like for me as a verbal processor, she has learned that like for me, conversation is about what's weighing me down, what like joys. And so, and we'll get in, she's not afraid to have spiritual conversations. She, you guys are similar in this way. Like she like, she knows what she thinks. And so she's yeah. not like, she's like, great, you're a pastor. Like I've, <laughs> I've been doing this thing longer than you have, right? Yeah. So, um, so, but a lot of it, like the way she leads is through like, I think mining through the areas of my life that I'm not mm. willing to process with other people and like helps guide me in that. But mm. I'll always point me back to like, she'll say, it's like, well, what is the truth of the gospel? Like she'll always mm. try to point me back I to love that. that. And I think one of the things I appreciate about her is someone who likes gray in my regard. and like, maybe I don't need all truth. She likes truth and yeah. she points to truth. And I think that's helpful for me and someone that can kind of live in the, the amorphous gray she anchors me in that regard. And I think that's where she leads is by rooting us in where we're going, even if I um, have a little more amorphous and so on. that makes sense? Because I could see the gray getting a little bit like murky or overwhelming and yeah. to have someone be like, but let's like put a stake in the ground of what we know yeah. to be true. I'm sure it's very grounding. Yeah, I would say like your better analogy that, than what I initially said, she's more like our compass. I think like I in some that. ways, like she's helping I might be holding it or whatever, or I might be, I feel like I know where I'm going, but she is the one pointing us mm. to where I think North is oftentimes. And I appreciate that about her. And honestly, that like gave me chills because I just don't think in a fundamental space, people would be allowed to say that about their wives. Yeah. I think people would say like, she shows me who Jesus is by the way that she loves me. But it's yeah. like, I think it's deeper than that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm pulling an Emily right now. I want to double down on this analogy. Okay. But I feel like I'm the, the hiker, the adventurer that gets us where we would yeah. never go. And she's the person pointing us and making sure we don't get lost on the journey, right? Mm. Like, and I think that's how we complement each other well, but we would lead in those unique ways. And I feel like it just, it's very clear in that analogy, the way that like both of you are like complemented or um, sharpened by each other. Yeah. Because I think a hiker with no compass is kind of a lot going on. Yeah. And, and a compass without a hike is, is You don't do anything. <laughs> yeah. It just sits there. Yeah. Not that it just sits there. Yeah. No, I think that's beautiful and important. But she does. No. <laughs> but I'm sure, but I also know you too. And I yeah. know that like you have challenged Annie in spiritual ways to maybe be more explorative than she would typically be. Yeah. Is that fair and to say? And she's challenged me to be more rooted than I would normally be. I just think that's so beautiful. Yeah. That's um, cool. And I that, appreciate this part of our conversation because I help, you help me see things that I'm so close to that uh -huh. I don't always see, which I appreciate. I love that. And we love Annie. We do. Friend of the pod. Friend of the pod. <laughs> that's a good friend. She feels, she sometimes feels like we just said, or you say like, this is what Annie thinks. And she's yeah. like, you don't know what I think, but yeah. I think this was more general and very positive about Annie. So she yeah. probably appreciated it. I think we'll title it. If you one. didn't email it in. This will be episode 53. Annie, we're going to talk about you a lot. <laughs> but I think that that's beautiful. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really glad we had this conversation. And as someone who's like in the early stages of our relationship, I think it is. And once there to be spiritual aspects in our relationship, like it was really cool to be to like go to dinner with you two and yeah. see the way that you guys like are closer, but also still growing your relationship and yeah. you guys encouraging us and just like what you saw in us. Like, I think that's really cool. Yeah. 
Um, well, I appreciate that. And I pre- our date was fun. We'll, we'll have to talk about that on an episode sometime. It was good. What do you, I mean, we have a little bit of time. What do you want to say? We don't. Okay. Dustin gave me the look. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, um, so with that though in mind, and we'll maybe do another one as we regroup, but uh, would you send us out with a word of encouragement? Yes. I want to say a very, very, very quick recommendation. Go ahead, please. I just started this. I'm literally on like page five, so TBD, but I just started The Gospels in Brief by Leo Tolstoy. Okay. Um, and he like presents what he would say is like the main aspects of the gospel and then takes verses from all four of the gospels and like compiles them together and makes them like this narrative. Um, and it's been really dope, but he also translates it. And like he, the first page that just, I'm thinking about a lot, we don't have to dive into it, but he says like the comprehension of God became flesh. It was like said that instead of the word of God. Yeah. What's the name of this book? The Gospels in Brief. Okay, I want to check it out. Um, I'm really enjoying it. I'm very early on, but I just wanted to say that real quick. So I'm sure I'll say more about it. But that being said, uh, this was a really great conversation. Yeah. Um, Annie, we love you. And uh, everybody, embrace the journey.